Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. It is Christmas. Come on, who's excited about Christmas? I am five days away. Christmas is only five days from today. So let me ask you here. Help me out today with a little bit of audience participation. How many of you already have all of your Christmas shopping done? Come on, raise your hand if that's you all over. Come on. Good job. All of you that have your hands raised. Now put them down. How many of you have a little bit more to do? Come on. How many? Raise your hand. Uh, all, right, all right. How many of you have a lot more to do? Come on. Raise your hand. And then how many procrastinators you haven't even started yet? Come on. Raise your hand. A few of you. In fact, in the first service, I said that. And whenever I said that, someone raised my, their hand and then they left. I think they went to go get started. I don't know. But here's the deal, man. I love Christmas time. There's so much. I'm so excited. been so excited about today and just all of the things that come along with the Christmas season, with Christmas time. Love the Christmas music. Come on. How many enjoyed the band today? Yeah, the strings. I mean, I love all of that as we get closer to Christmas. And I was thinking about, how many of you have a favorite Christmas song that you have in mind? Come on. If you have it, just tell me what it is. Let me hear you. Come on, out loud. Just tell me. <laughs> Christmas, yeah, we got, I heard some Silent Night, heard some Joy to the World. Uh, I only heard one person say Christmas cookies. Come on, how many know nothing says Christmas time like a little George Strait Christmas cookies? Amen. And that is a tradition at our house. And I love all the different Christmas songs, especially as we get a little closer to Christmas time. And as I was preparing for the message uh, this week, I was thinking about one particular Christmas song. I was thinking about the lyrics of a song. It's, it's kind of an older traditional one. It's one that we sing every year around this time. In fact, we're going to sing it again here at the end of the message during our candlelight uh, time. It's a song called, O Come All You Faithful. How many remember that one? It's written way back in the 18. 1800- hundreds. It's become a Christmas tradition. Not exactly Christmas cookies, but I mean, it is still a, a good time-honored Christmas classic. And as I think about the words of that song, like there's, there's something that sticks out to me. In fact, when you really look at the words, I love the part that's, you know, come let us adore him. But then when you listen to some of the words, they can be a little daunting, maybe a little bit intimidating. In fact, you know the words, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, right? And when you hear that, sometimes you just sing it, you don't think about it. But if you really think about those words, like it's a little bit intimidating. Because how many know there are times when we come to church or when we come to Jesus, there are times when we don't feel all that faithful. There are times in life when we don't, we don't feel all that joyful. Come on, how many are with me? Is it just me? Like, there are times we don't feel very triumphant. In fact, there are maybe some of you that are in this room today, and that's what you're experiencing. You're going, hey, it's Christmas, and I'm here, but the truth is, like, I'm not very faithful. Or maybe I haven't been very faithful this year. Or maybe, like, I'm experiencing some difficulties in having faith. I'm, I've got some doubts because I had some goals at the beginning of last year that that maybe they didn't happen, or I've had some experiences this last year that I'm not really sure where God was in the middle of all that, and I really don't feel all that faithful. Others of you are going, man, truth is, like, I don't feel much joy. Like, I know we sang joy to the world, but the truth is, like, in the situations that I'm experiencing in my life right now, it's difficult for me to feel joyful. Others of you say, man, you know, I don't feel very triumphant. Now, I know that's not a word that we use all that often in our language today, but it basically just means to win. I don't feel 
like a winner, Pastor. I don't. I really don't feel like I'm winning in my marriage. I, I really don't feel like I'm. I'm winning in my finances or at work or in my emotional health or my mental health or in relationships. And sometimes we can even think, you know, I'm not faithful. I'm not joyful. I'm not very triumphant. Can a person like me even come to Jesus? And yet here's what I know today is that Jesus doesn't call perfect people. He doesn't call people who are always faithful, joyful, and triumphant. In fact, what we find in the scripture is that the people that he calls are actually the opposite of that. In fact, look what Jesus says to every single one of us in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. Look what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are what? Who are weary, those who are burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and in me you will find rest for your souls. In fact, I think from that passage right there, maybe we could even rewrite the song a little to be more like this. Oh, come, all ye who are weary, all ye who are tired, all ye who are hurting, all ye who are faithless, those who are joyless in the circumstances of your life, come to Jesus and he says, I will give you my rest, a rest for your soul. And that's the message that we celebrate today. That's the message of Christmas, really, that Jesus came to us, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, so that we could turn in turn come to him in all of our failures, in all of our flaws, in all of our faithlessness, in all of our struggles of life. Because Jesus came to us, now we in turn can come to him even when we are weary, tired, and worn. And in him we can find rest. And that's what I want to talk about for just a minute. In fact, I want to break down the words of this song into just three simple thoughts today that Jesus does for us. This is really the basic message of Christmas. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. And first is this, that when we come to Jesus, this is what Jesus does. Jesus takes the faithless and makes us faithful. Now, how many of you ever felt faithless before? Come on, right? How many of you, even this year, how many of you have had some doubts about God in your mind? Come on. I mean, I'm just raising my hand along with you today. This has been a difficult year. In fact, I was telling the first service, like, this year has been one of the most difficult years I've ever experienced in my life. In 20 years of being a lead pastor, it's been the the most difficult year to, to pastor a church. And I'll just be real honest, like, there have been times this year when I've experienced some doubts. There have been some times when I have been a little bit faithless. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, pastor, you're the pastor. Like, man, you're supposed to have it all together. You're supposed to be full of faith in every situation. And I know that sounds really good. And I am the pastor, but I'm also a human being. And the truth is, it's a whole lot easier to stand up here and tell you all to have faith than it is for me to have faith in circumstances of my life at times. And the truth is, every one of us have faced that times when we thought, God, I don't know where you're at. God, I don't know what's going on. Times when we feel faithless. Times when we doubt. And here's the good news for you today. If you've ever experienced doubt in your life, you're in good company. Because as we study the scripture, we see it over and over and over. Men and women, great men and women of God, men who, and women who found their names in the Bible, people of faith who experienced seasons of faithlessness, seasons of doubt. 
I mean, I think about John the Baptist, incredible man of faith. The scripture says that John, that no other man that, that was ever born of a woman, there, there was nobody greater than John, incredible man of faith, incredible man who, I mean, God chose him to baptize Jesus. I mean, he had a message, a bold message of repentance, and God used him in great ways. And yet, even this incredible man of faith found himself after he was taken and thrown into a prison in a moment, a season of doubt, when he actually even called out and asked for Jesus to say, Jesus, are you really the one or should we look for another? I mean, you think about people in the Old Testament, people like Elijah, incredible man of faith, such great faith, a prophet of God that, that he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then after it didn't rain, he prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. I mean, this is the guy who built an altar and called down fire from heaven onto the altar in front of all the prophets of Baal. I mean, a man of incredible faith, and yet he experienced a season of doubts. When the queen decided that she wanted to kill him, he ran and found himself underneath a tree, even calling out to God saying, you might as well just take my life now because I'd be better off dead than what I'm going through in my life, a season of doubt. You think about great men like, like King David, a man after God's own heart, and yet you read many of the Psalms that he wrote were filled with doubt and expression of questions of God, where are you in my season right now? You see it all through the scripture. In fact, some of you maybe are having some of those doubts in your own life right now. And you're going, God, like, I, I want to believe in you, but where are you in the middle of my struggle? God, I want, to, I want to believe that you are good, but if you are good, then why are you allowing so many bad things to happen? God, if you're really good, then why did you allow me to lose my job? If you're really good, then why is my marriage falling apart? God, if you're really good, then why did my, why did my friend get sick? God, and where are you in the middle of that? Like, if you really can do something, if you're really all-powerful, God, then why don't you do something? Why don't you fix my marriage? Why don't you get rid of this coronavirus? And God, if you're really there, and if you really care then why wouldn't you do something? And we struggle with these doubts and these thoughts in our minds. And Jesus says, I want you to come to me with all your doubts, with all your struggle, with all of the the times when you are faithless. And here's what I will do. I will take those faithless moments and I can turn them to make you a faithful follower. In fact, as I think about that, I think about the apostle Peter, man of great faith, Of course, we know he was the only one got out of the boat and walked on the water. Incredible faith. And yet in a moment of darkness, in a moment of doubt, Peter, who had had said, Jesus, I'll never leave you. Now, in that moment when Jesus is being taken to be crucified, Peter finds himself warming himself by the fire and he denies that he even knew Jesus. Three different times. Season of faithlessness. And yet, this same man, with such incredible doubt and faithlessness, just a few chapters later, we see what Jesus does in his life as he, in the book of Acts, stands before a crowd of thousands of people and proclaims boldly the message of God. The same man who was not even able to say he knew Jesus stood in front of thousands to proclaim a bold message. That's the work that Jesus does in our life. In fact, I love what the scripture says 
about it in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus for he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. What is that saying? That's saying he can take the faithless moments in our lives. He can take the doubts and the struggles in our lives and he can author a people of faith. He is the perfecter of our faith. If we will just keep our eyes fixed on him in the midst of the struggle that Jesus takes the faithless and he makes us faithful. That's the message of Christmas. He takes the faithless, makes us faithful. But then notice number two, write this down. Jesus takes the joyless and he makes us joyful. Now, how many know that there are a lot of joy suckers in life? Come on, right? I mean, it's just true. All kinds of things that just want to suck the joy and the life right out of us. I mean, especially this time of year. I know this is supposed to be the time of year that's like, oh, you know, joy to the world. And it's all about joy. But how many know this time of year can also be stressful? This time of year can also be difficult to find our joy because, man, there's all these things to do and you got to buy presents and then you got all the financial stuff and then you got the year-end stuff at work that you're trying to close all that out and that's all stressful and then you got, you know, people. Come on, right? Sometimes we're going to go see people, family members, you know, and that, that brings a little stress. If there's one that's here with you, don't nudge them or point at them or anything. That wouldn't be good, but... Like all of the things that just have a tendency to just kind of want to suck the joy right out of our lives. And yet Jesus, Jesus wants to bring joy even in the midst of our circumstances. In fact, here's, here's most of us. The reason we don't really understand joy is because we confuse joy and happiness. And how many know there's a difference, right? Like, let me just tell you the difference. Happiness is dependent upon happenings, right? Like if everything is happening right, it's our circumstances. If everything's going good, then I can be happy. If my boss is, you know, happy, and if my family's happy, and if my kids are happy, and if mama's happy, because if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? Like if all of the happenings in my life are, are right, and all the circumstances are good, then I can also be happy, dependent though upon the circumstance. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, the word happiness, the suffix, the hap part actually comes from the root suffix that actually means by chance. It's where we get our word happenstance. That if we're, if we're wanting to be happy, truth is, happiness is, is about, well, if, the, if by chance I have good circumstances, if by chance everything goes good. But the problem with that is that if we're waiting on everything to go good, to be happy, then especially in 2020, we hadn't been very happy. <laughs> And sometimes things are good and sometimes things are not. So when things are good, I'm happy. And when things are not good, I'm not very happy, right? But joy is not dependent on happenings. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is not dependent on the by chance if everything goes good. No, joy is found in Jesus. And circumstances change and there's ups and there's downs and there's difficulties and all that. But Jesus never changes. So if I decide I'm going to find my joy in him, here's what can happen. He can take me from the midst of the most unjoyful circumstance and I can still have joy in my heart no matter what's happening around me. That's what Jesus does. He takes the joyless and he makes us joyful. 
In fact, it reminds me of, it reminds me of MMA or UFC. Anybody ever watched any UFC fighting or MMA fighting, anything like that before? I haven't watched it in several years, but I remember in college, we used to watch it with my buddies and there was a guy named Hoist Gracie. Anybody remember Hoist Gracie? And Hoist Gracie, he was like, like we watched it because we wanted to see him like punch each other and stuff like that. But when Hoist Gracie came in, there wasn't much punching. Like he just took him right down to the mat because he did uh, a certain style of, of martial arts called jujitsu. Anybody ever heard of jujitsu before, right? And here's what jujitsu is. Jujitsu is the, it's the style of martial arts that actually is self-defense. It actually, what it does is it takes the attacker's energy and actually in self-defense actually turns the attacker's energy against themselves. So in jujitsu, what happens is their offense actually, your defense against their offense actually becomes your offense. It's incredible. And this is what I think about with Jesus, that he takes the attack of the enemy, come on, and he performs a little joy jitsu. Come on, I see what I did there. Come on, I work hard on this stuff, so you got to help me out a little bit. I know my wife's over here rolling her eyes at me. I'm just, I can feel it over there. He does a little joy jitsu. He takes the pain. He takes the struggle. He takes the circumstances. He takes the difficulties. He takes the joylessness, the things that zap the joy from our life. And he takes all of that energy and he works it and he turns it for our joy, that we can have joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances because we have Jesus in our heart. In fact, this is what James was talking about in James chapter 1 and verse number 2. He says that we can consider it what? Pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. Why? Because, you know, Jesus is doing a little jujitsu right there. He's taking the trial and he's turning it to build us, to make us better. We can have joy in the midst of the trials because we know that the testing of our faith is developing in us perseverance and perseverance in us begins to do its work to grow us, to make us mature and complete that we do not lack anything. In fact, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 8. He says, and we know We know this one thing, that everything that happens in all things, God is working them together for our good. He takes the pain. He takes the circumstances. He takes the struggles. He takes the joylessness of life and makes us joyful even in the midst of it. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus takes the faithless, makes us faithful. He takes the joyless and makes us joyful. But then notice this last one. I love it. He takes the trials and makes us triumph. Guess what, guys? You're going to have some trials in your life. Like, you're going to go through some stuff. I know you came to be encouraged on a Sunday morning, on Christmas weekend. Pastor, tell us how great life is going to be. But I just got to tell you, like, in this life, you have trouble. You have difficulty. I wish I could tell you, if you just follow Jesus, you'd never have any problems or any struggles or anything. But I can't tell you that because it's just not true. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, could you be more positive? Okay, I'm positive. You're going to have problems. I'm just telling you. That joke works every time. That's why I keep doing it. But here's what I know. Every problem has a purpose. Every test is advancing us towards the triumph, the the victory that God wants to bring in our lives. In fact, Paul talked about it like this in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. Check out what he says. He says, and we can glory in our what? In our sufferings. 
because we know that suffering produces something in us. What does it produce? It produces perseverance. And perseverance then produces character. And character then produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. That hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, hey, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties in your life. But those difficulties are not without a purpose. That every pain and every problem and every struggle has a purpose in your life. That God can take the trials, but he can turn them around to make a triumph, to bring victory in your life if you just trust him. James said it, it's the testing of our faith. Nobody likes taking tests. My kids just finished up their semester and they had, they had semester tests. Nobody likes finals, but you know the good thing about taking a test? The good thing is this, if you pass the test, you get to go to the next level. If you pass the test at the end of the school year, you get to go to the next grade. And it's the same way in our lives, guys. When we go through tests, troubles, trials, problems, guess what? Here's the good news. Oh, man, the test is no fun. But the good news is anytime God allows us to go through a test, the reason is, is he wants to promote us. And if we could just pass the test, if we could just get through the trial, then we can move on to the next level of what God has for us. And just think, maybe, just maybe, this last year, all the trials, all the struggles, all the difficulties, maybe they have been there to test our faith so that if we can stand up through the test, Jesus can take the trials and make us triumph. Maybe just maybe those of us who have have worked hard to be faithful this year, maybe God is saying, hey, now I want to take you to somewhere new, to a new level of what I have in you. Because that's what Jesus does. In fact, I love what the prophet Isaiah said about it in Isaiah chapter 61. He says that he will come, Jesus will come, and here's what he will do. He will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. What is he saying? He's saying, oh man, when we come to Jesus, here's what he does. He gives us, instead of our mourning, he turns it into gladness. Instead of despair, he gives us praise. Instead of faithless moments, he turns us into people who are faithful. Instead of joyless circumstances, he gives us joy right in the middle of it. Instead of the trials, he takes the trials and he brings them, brings us through them for our good and for our victory in life. And that's what we celebrate today. We can triumph even in the trials. Why? Because Jesus is triumphant. That's what the prophet Isaiah was saying. Years before Jesus ever came to this earth, hundreds of years, he prophesied. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a passage that we read every year at this time, yet it's so powerful. Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Guys, let me just tell you, all this political stuff and all the things, guess what? All that stuff, God's got it under control. Like Jesus has already triumphed over it. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Guys, that sounds pretty triumphant to me. Guess what? If we have given our lives to him, then no matter the trouble, no matter the trial, we will triumph together with him forever. Because he takes the faithless. He makes them faithful. He takes the joyless. He makes us joyful. He takes the trials. He turns them into triumph. That's why he came. He came so that we could come to him. Even when we're not faithful, even when we're not joyful, even when we are struggling, he says, come to me, all you who are weary, hurting, worn, come to me and I will show you victory because I have already conquered it all. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this incredible promise. For all those that are in you, God, we can experience faith in the faithless times, joy in the joyless times, triumph over every trial or struggle we may face. God, I pray that even right now, those that maybe are saying, I don't know if I can come to Jesus, God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will begin to draw them. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here in this room or maybe you're watching online and and you have to say, you know, Pastor Truth is, I'm not really where I should be in my relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you even question, like, can I come to God? I mean, I've got a mess. I've got all this, I've got all these doubts and all these struggles and I'm going through all of this stuff. But Jesus calls out. He says, come, come to me. I came to you so that you could come to me. I came to you, the perfect God in heaven became God in the flesh, came to this earth so that you, in all of your imperfections, in all of your struggles, in all of your doubts, so that you could come to him in relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today, or you're watching online, you say, I know I'm not where I should be with God, but I wanna be. Right now, would you just slip up a hand? I would love to pray with you. Thank you over here. I know I'm not where I should be with God. Thank you right over here. Right over here, another one. Another one back there in the back. Another one right over here. Pastor, pray with me as I surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you right over here on my right. Anybody else? Thank you right over here. Anybody else all over this room? People coming to the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That's what it's all about. That's what Christmas is all about, guys. It's the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand together all over this room? There was at least eight or ten lifted their hand. I know there are those that are online as well. And I want us to, I want us to pray together in support of those that are surrendering their life to Jesus, coming to him just as he, as he invites us to do. I want us to pray out loud, everyone together. Dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I fall so short. But I thank you that you love me just the way that I am. You invite me to come to you. So today, I come to you. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Be my Savior and be my Lord from this moment forward. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just give the Lord an offering?